I came to I pay. came to pray, there's a price to pay Time for you to get down on your knees I What is up, my dudettes? It's the Casey's Corner Podcast reporting to you live on July the 8th. We've got a jam-packed show coming your way. Uh, we have two calling guests today. We have Tristan Rogers, a local baseball coach, former baseball player. Uh, he shares stories of his high school career, his college career. He's a college scout, helps get you know guys placed into college. He gave tremendous advice about, okay, um, if you want to play the next level, here are certain things that you have to do. He gave us tremendous insight and advice about that. We're going to talk to him about that a little bit later in the show. It's pre-recorded. Great interview. Um, we're also going to talk to Corey Bear with the Blue Boot Rodeo. That is happening this coming weekend out on Grand Isle. We're going to talk about what the event is what the event raises money for, and all the things that will be going on on the island this week. Um, We've got a sports update that will be coming in the first segment of the show. We've got a COVID update coming in the last segment of the show. I'm recording this at 3.30 on Wednesday. Governor John Bell Edwards just got off of the stage, um, or off of the podium, I guess you could say. He gave his press conference, talked about some of the latest numbers and some of the things that are going on in Louisiana right now. We're going to talk about all of that. And in our sports update, we're going to continue our sports betting blitz, giving over and under predictions for NFL teams, college teams. We're going to give you our weekly you know, installment of our sleeper, our shark, and our winner on the PGA Tour. We're hot. All three of our guys made the cut last week. Two of the three finished in the top 12 and were in contention. And that's fresh off of a week, two weeks ago, where all three of our guys made the cut and all three of our guys were in contention until the very end. So we're hot on the PGA Tour. We're going to talk some WWE. We're getting closer to pay-per-view time. Um, The horror show or whatever the hell the name of the pay-per-view is today, it changes pretty rapidly. We'll talk about that. LSU's got their championship rings. We'll talk about the MLB. But we're going to lead off today talking a little bit of sports and politics all meshed into one um cleo fields in louisiana government i'm gonna mess up his title so i'm not even going to uh say what his title is he's he's a prominent lawmaker in louisiana government who is on or at the head of some education boards i'll leave it at that i I don't know what the full title is and i'm not feeling like googling it based on what i'm about to say about mr fields he has pinned a letter to bessie uh which is basically the louisiana department of education and has said Uh, that he doesn't believe there should be school sports until December, through December. He thinks a full cancellation is in order. Um, Since that time, Mr. Fields, his letter and story has gone viral, and he appeared on Fox 8 News last night and has said that the reason for his letter, the reason why he thinks that a full cancellation is in order is because contact sports are not allowed until phase three and he didn't want school programs to operate outside of their boundaries laid in place by you know safety protocols and everything of the sort mr fields i have a message for you and i speak on behalf of a lot of parents i speak on behalf of a lot of student athletes and i speak on behalf of a lot of coaches in the area especially you know specifically the home of thibodeau area that I cover, and those folks are asking me to relay this message to you, kind sir. Shut the hell up because you do not know what you're talking about. 
Um, first and foremost, let's attack it from this angle. Uh, you don't want school sports to happen until December because t- contact sports are not allowed until phase three. Mr. Fields, I would like to educate you on something. It's an idea that is not foreign to me, but apparently is foreign to you. Not every single sport is a contact sport. There are hundreds, if not, well, not, not hell, not if not, there are thousands of young men and young women who play school sports that are not contact sports. Mr. Fields, there is such a thing as tennis. There is such a thing as volleyball. There is such a thing as golf. There is such a thing as, you know, all the other sports, track and field, that are not uh, contact sports by nature. You are proposing to ban all school sports because football, basketball, soccer, and wrestling are contact sports. Mr. Fields, that is in poor judgment. Mr. Fields, the idea that you don't want student athletes to be able to meet or practice with their teammates beginning right now through December because of contact sports not being allowed is baseless. It's ignorant. It's dumb. It makes zero sense. Here's the thing that I know about COVID-19, and I'm not telling you guys that we should or should not have football yet based on current data i'm going to fully leave that decision up to the decision makers who are studying this far more than me but we have lost three people under the age of 18 to this virus since early march three people now and two of the three have pre-diagnosed conditions one had a heart defect the other had another pre-diagnosed condition here's what i know i don't want to make it sound like i'm saying "Ah, only three people died Uh, Because I'm certainly very aware of the pain that comes with death because I had a relative that was, you know, that died of COVID-19 in my own family. So I understand that pain and I understand that hurt. But here's what I want to emphasize in this segment. Okay, that's three kids in four months. How many kids have we lost in the past four months to car wrecks, to drug overdoses, to suicides, to the streets, you know, to kids getting involved in crime, whatever it may be. And my point is, is that if we strip these kids down and take every single thing that they like to do away from them, we are going to lose far more children to COVID, um, to other things in the world than we ever will to COVID-19. If you look at the death rates, if you add or divide the, the number of cases in the 18 and under generation and, and you, you divide the, the death from the death total from the case total, You get a number that's not even close to 1%, not even close to a half of a percent. And you get a number that medical professionals will say is not even close to the death rate under 18 for people with the common flu. So we have to be very cautious of making the cure, making the answer, making the fix worse than what the actual coronavirus is. Um, And that's something that I think that we have to be very cautious of. Do I think we have to reopen school sports strategically? Absolutely. Do I think we have to do it with an open mind and to embrace the idea that it's not going to look the way that it's ever looked before? Absolutely. But do I want to just outright, without knowing what the data is going to look like for the next several weeks, just say, yeah, nothing until December? No, I don't want to do that because the fact of the matter is that there are travel ball baseball tournaments going on right now. And by and large, those are not forming big clusters of COVID-19. There are other sports that are going on right now, and they're not forming clusters of COVID-19. Student athletes are working out on their campuses right now, and they're not forming clusters of COVID-19. We have to, as a state, 
of figure out what works and what doesn't work. And right now, given the data that the government, the governor, you know, issued at his press conference, and we'll talk about that in the in the final segment of the show. We've got to eliminate, you know, going getting drunk at a barroom from our routine right now because, by and large, most of the cases are being tied to that. They're being tied to closed, confined spaces where lots of people are gathering and doing reckless things. But if you want to go out in the open and get some sunshine and play tennis, that's being encouraged. That's not being something that, you know, that's not something that, that they're saying we should not be doing right now. So, no, I don't think that Cleo Fields' recommendation to just throw a blanket over all school sports is wise. I don't think it's something that we should be doing. And I think that Bessie took the, the right response to this by saying, hey, man, we're going to just leave this to the LHSAA. We're going to let it, you know, the chips fall where they may. We have an athletic body for a reason. We're going to trust them to make the right judgments. Kudos to Bessie. Shame on you, Cleo Fields, because you're speaking on something that you don't know anything about. And the fact that you were saying that your reasoning for this was because of contact sports shows that it is something you know nothing about because probably just 20 to 25 percent of sports are contact sports so you want to throw away 75 to 80 percent of the games that are being played to to appease football because let's let's face it mr fields you're thinking about football and I'm letting you know right now that there are other sports in schools other sports in athletic and academic curriculum besides for football and i don't want to slam the door shut on those young men and those young women when it could safely be done and we will safely get it done i just think it's a shame i think it's baseless and i think that a state lawmaker in a prominent position thinks that opinion is shameful you know what mr fields should be focused on how about figuring out a way to fix our state educational system because mr fields and other lawmakers in baton rouge have slashed and burned that system into the ground over the last decade fix those things and then we can maybe allow you guys to have a voice about athletics because that is one of the only things about our educational system that actually works. So we don't want you guys who have broken everything else to infiltrate our athletic system. Let the LHSA figure that out. Let some of the other people in prominent positions who are tasked and assigned these responsibilities, let them figure those things out. But stay out of it. You guys got plenty enough to do in Baton Rouge. I promise you the right decisions will be made and what is safe to happen will happen. We don't need people like Cleo Fields making these decisions. We don't need people like Cleo Fields writing these types of letters and scaring people unnecessarily. That's my rant about this. I apologize for going long. I apologize for being strong about this, but it's how I feel. We're going to lose too many kids to negative things besides COVID-19 if we take sports away from them. We're going to lose too many kids to drugs and to the streets and to depression and to anxiety and to all the other ailments that could get you when you lose all the things that you love. Right now, three kids in four months have perished because of this, and two of them had pre-diagnosed conditions. We have to figure out a way to cope with the issues at hand and allow our young generation to prosper. And, and, and taking everything that they like away from them at a time when their brain and their body is developing is not that. So that's my LHSAA state government rant for the day here on the Casey's Corner podcast. I promise you now we'll talk about some other things, some happier things. Well, this next thing isn't overly happy. Um, as predicted, I'm going to literally pat myself on the back as I say this. As predicted here on the podcast throughout the last several weeks, um, we have full trust in the NBA's bubble. We think the NBA's bubble is going to work. We think the NBA is going to have a successful ending to their regular season and playoffs. We have said here on the podcast, we don't think the MLB's bubble works. 
We don't think the MLB is going to have a successful ride, and we think the MLB reopening is going to be a bit, a bit of a train wreck. Sure enough, uh, before the season has even started, there are players who are testing positive in droves. There are players who are opting out uh, out of fear, um, want to protect their families, want to do this, want to do that. Um, it's it's a mess, man. It's a mess. Um, MLB missed the the their calling on this one. They missed an, a great opportunity. A we should already be playing games. The, the season should have started on July 4th. They led their own greed. They led their own political agendas get in the way because both sides wanted to leverage a better position in their next collective bargaining agreement, which is going to be coming up in a couple of off seasons. They let that get in the way of taking care of their fans. They should already be playing. That's strike one. Strike two, they're asking players to travel around the country and get on airplanes and go to different cities and this that and the other at times when covid cases around the united states are going up um they they should have created a bubble like the nba did and they have the infrastructure to do it because guess what every year in the mlb schedule there is a bubble it's called spring training teams are in arizona and are in florida together on the same confined area they have the infrastructure to do it, and they just chose not to. Why do we have to play these games at SunTrust Field or Wrigley Field or at Fenway when fans won't even be in the stands anyway? They should have gone to Arizona. The American League goes to Arizona. The National League goes to Florida. Play the games there. Create a bubble. Do it safely. But instead, in true baseball fashion, they're doing their own thing, marching to the beat of their own drummer, and it's going to be a big, fat mess. Players are going to test positive. Uh, the, the rosters will be inconsistent. There's going to be so much drama. Now it's going to be entertaining. I'm going to watch it. It's going to be entertaining because they're going to be, you know, it's going to be like a train wreck. It's going to be too ugly to not look at it. Um, but I think it's going to be a mess. Now they got testing and they got different things of that sort, but they're having issues in terms of getting their test processed. They're, they're having issues in terms of keeping up with testing supply. So all accounts right now is that the MLB is struggling. And Tristan Rogers talked about this in his interview from some of the conversations he's had with people he knows. And you'll hear that a little bit later in the show. All accounts are that MLB is having some big issues. And it's no surprise to us because we have expected them to have big issues. Because when you have bad leadership, um, you're going to have bad results. And baseball has bad leadership. You could just look at the way that they negotiated their reopening to the season. And you could tell that they have bad leadership. And right now, they're, they're having to pay the piper. It's going to be a tough reopen, and I'm just hopeful that they don't have to close down altogether and that they're able to continue to move forward. LSU, the LSU Fighting Tigers football team received their championship rings yesterday. I got goosebumps. I got the frissons, as they say in Cajun French. They received three beautiful, gorgeous rings, one for winning the SEC championship, one for winning the college football semifinal game, and one for winning the college football playoff national championship. To see that ring with Coach Ogeron's name scripted into it, um, with Hold That Tiger, you know, carved into it, with the college football playoff trophy and out front, um, is just a reminder, man, that while the year 2020 has by and large been absolutely positively awful from <laughs> from pretty much start to finish. 
we we do have to understand and realize that at least it started out pretty good as in january we had the lsu football team sweeping through everybody that was the best college football team of all time in my opinion in the opinions of a lot of folks who follow the sport pretty closely um i don't know that we're ever going to see that collection of offensive talent um oh my god they were so good so gifted and now the shoes are are laid down and this upcoming team's going to have to to fill some pretty big ones and i don't think that they're going to reach that same level of prominence i think that'd be asking too much i think the personnel is too different but i think that the lsu program has arrived i think they are quote unquote the cool college football program i think they're going to be in contention year in and year out i think they're a sexy pick year in and year out to contend for championships and it's such an exciting time just look at what they're doing on recruiting man they're getting whoever they want, wherever they want. You know, LSU football recruiting used to be confined to Louisiana, Florida, Texas, and every once in a while they would splurge and go get somebody else. Now, they're basing their recruiting nationally, going get whoever they want from around the country, getting guys in Michigan and Georgia and Texas, California, New York, wherever it may be. And then they're plugging in the gaps with the guys from Louisiana now. Like the bread and butter used to be Louisiana, and then they would kind of plug in with some outsiders here and there. Now they're big game hunting around the country and plugging in the gaps with guys from around the state. They're a national brand. They're the hottest brand in college football right now to date. And it's so exciting to see what Coach Ogeron is doing with those guys. And if they get some of the dominoes that are predicted to fall their way on the recruiting trail – uh, you know, be it Mason Smith, be it some of the other four and five star guys that are predicted to go to LSU right now. If that all actually pans out, we're going to be looking at a historically good recruiting class coming in in 2021. And oh my goodness, such an exciting time to be an LSU football fan. Um, it's crazy the progress that you can make when you get rid of an inept athletic director. Scott Woodward has turned that athletic program around by and large. And we shouldn't be overly harsh and overly critical to Joe Oliva because uh, he did hire Coach O, so he did get that hire right. But everyone involved with LSU Athletics says that the vibe and the spirit and the, the, the passion for that athletic program is so renewed under Scott Woodward. He's giving them the resources to do everything that they need to do to be successful, and you're seeing it right now up and down that athletic department. It's such an exciting time. Now we just got to hope that we could get this national pandemic settled so that we could actually play games and actually get that football team back on the field. We'll talk some WWE now, uh, and then we're going to wrap up by doing some sports betting stuff. We're going to make our PGA Tour picks, and we're going to continue our sports betting blitz. Uh, A lot of folks liked our sports betting blitz, and um, look, I'm a gambler by trade. Uh, I'm going to, as more and more things get played, We're going to continue to expand that. If the MLB reopens, we're going to be making picks daily on some of those games. When the NBA reopens, we'll make picks daily on some of those games. So we're going to stay active in that realm. Uh, Just follow with us. If that's your thing, great. If not, we're going to continue to give you all these nuggets of information in the podcast and all these sports segments and hopefully less COVID. uh, But the way things are trending, trending, it may end up being more COVID than what we had hoped. Um, WWE is barreling towards... Their next pay-per-view, which is going to be July 19th, it's the horror show The horror show at Extreme Rules. Uh, this pay-per-view's name has now changed three times since it's been promoted. It started off just as Extreme Rules, then it was Extreme Rules The Horror Show, 
Now it's the horror show at Extreme Rules. It'll be, like we said, July 19th on the WWE Network. It'll start at 6 p.m. So that is now two Sundays from now. So we've got one more Monday Night Raw and two more SmackDowns until the show takes place. But the card is pretty much kind of locked in there. Uh, We're going to talk about some of the things that are new. And I'm going to make a point that I want to make about about the current status of the company and some of the things that are going on that I like, some of the things that are going on that I don't like. So out front, I want to say something, and I want to admit something I was wrong about. Um, I have been very critical of the WWE's push towards women's wrestling on social media. I, you know, as much as, you know, three, four years ago, didn't like that they were pushing towards promoting a lot of the female talent as heavily as they did. I was somewhat chauvinistic in my opinion of, oh man, I want to watch the males wrestle. The males could do more than what the, the females could do. The males have more charisma than what the women do. Um, I was pretty wrong about that. <laughs> I was pretty wrong about that opinion um, because, man, some of the stuff that I like the most on the show right now are some of the things that the ladies are doing. And out front, I want to say that I think that Sasha Banks and Bailey are the single best thing going in all of wrestling right now, either brand. Um, I know that you're going to message me on Twitter and tell me that something happening on AEW is the greatest thing that's ever happened. Um, But if something great is happening at a company that no one is watching, then it's not actually happening. And ratings say that no one is watching it because they're losing the NXT in the ratings and that gap is continuing to get wider and wider. But that's another argument for another day. I'm not here to poo-poo on AEW. Just watch the product. You could, uh, it, it, it poo-poos on itself. Um, but anywho, uh, Sasha Banks and Bayley are the best thing going on in any wrestling company in the world right now by miles. And here's what I hope happens. There's so much intrigue because... A, they're both super talented. B, they're both super charismatic. It's so easy to dislike both of them. C, they could go in the ring. They both could work. And they're working every single show right now. All three of them, they're busting their tail and and becoming stars here in the pandemic. And there's the intrigue of, okay, when is the breakup going to happen? Because everybody knows at some point the breakup is going to happen. So here's what I hope happens. If I'm booking... You know, Bruce Pritchard, I listen to your podcast every single week. If by some chance in the 10,000 to 1, probably closer to 10 million to 1, odds that you're listening to mine, um, here's what I think should happen. I love the fact that Sasha Banks and Bailey are taking over both women's divisions on both brands. I think that Sasha Banks should win her pay-per-view match against Asuka and become the women's champion. I think that Bailey and Sasha Banks should keep the two women's championships, and then also the women's tag team championships together for months. I think that they should dominate the division for months. And then here's what I think should happen. I think that around, oh, October, November or so, they should be wrestling, probably on free TV, in a tag match for the tag team championships. And I think that based on how the flow of that match goes, something fluky should happen where... You know, Sasha accidentally hits Bailey, or Bailey accidentally hits Sasha, and it leads to a fluky roll-up loss, and they lose their tag team championships. And I think that we should see an initial wave of kind of panic, maybe pushing and shoving, and then calmer heads prevailing, and they them reuniting, and continuing to dominate as singles competitors together as a tandem 
on both shows. Then I think somewhere around maybe the Royal Rumble, we should see the full-on turn where, you know, one turns on the other and we end up, you know, having the official break. And I think it should be dramatic. And I think when it happens, it should be very violent. Much like when Shawn Michaels turned on Marty Jannetty and threw him through a pane of glass and there was blood everywhere, it should be violent. Um, and I think that that should build towards a winner-take-all match at WrestleMania. And I think you should give them time. I think you should give them, if not uh, outright main event status, I think that that's a match that everyone, if it's built right, would love to see. There'd be passion. There'd be you know, a lot of drama. And I think that they could put on a tremendous show. And I think that they would be more than capable of bringing the house down. So that's how I think it should be booked. Now, is that how it's actually going to be booked? I'm sure that given WWE's rush to get ratings right now, it's probably going to be rushed and it's probably going to be done in a very poor way. Um, but that's how I would book it. I would book this over a long period of time. Keep this thing going. They're both red hot right now. Keep that flame ignited. You cool it down and you do the breakup way later on, into the fall, maybe even when we get fans back. You want to make sure it happens at the right time. And that's, you know, I think how I would book it. So the, the, the horror show at Extreme Rules right now, the card is Drew McIntyre versus Dolph Ziggler. That is going to be a... Stipulation match. We don't yet know what the stipulation is. That'll be for the WWE Championship. Uh, not overly interested because I know, like I've said many times before, I know what the result is going to be. But as I've also said many times before, Dolph Ziggler is going to make this interesting, and he has. He's he's handled his role very well. Um, you know, bringing back uh, you know Heath Slater on Monday was good, and the, the whole storyline's playing out well. I just think that there's a 0% chance of Dolph actually going over in the match, which makes it less appetizing for me. Uh, we've got Oscar versus Sasha Banks, singles match for the Raw Women's Championship. Must see TV. I can't wait to watch that. That should be the main event. Bailey versus Nikki Cross, eh, kind of similar to Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler. No one thinks Nikki Cross is going to win that. Nikki Cross isn't even the best member of her own tag team. Um, so, yeah, eh, it's whatever. It'll be interesting, but... Not overly excited about it. Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt. Wyatt Swamp Fight. Um, curious to see what a Wyatt Swamp Fight is. I got a feeling it'll be very very heavily produced. And as we like to call here in the podcast, a movie match. They've hit on some of those. They've struck out on some of those. If I had to guess, Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt are both talented enough and charismatic enough to where this one would probably be a hit. Um, and the fact that they're naming the entire pay-per-view after it, it better be a hit. <laughs> so I'm curious to see what that is. We've got Apollo Crews versus MVP. Singles match for the United States Championship. MVP and Bobby Lashley are one of the best things going on Raw right now. Uh, that tandem is good. MVP is very good. As he's gotten older in age, he's wrestling less, but he's got Bobby Lashley to do his, his dirty work for him. Um, I love where that is going. I hope MVP wins that match because I think that that little stable there deserves to have some some sort of hardware, something they can hang their hat on, and I think that they're doing a good enough job that they should go over. Maybe it, you know it wasn't Bobby Lashley's time to win the the WWE Championship, but I think that they do deserve a United States Championship run, and I'd be in favor of MVP going over Apollo Cruz, who's just yeah he's alright, uh, but I think that MVP and Lashley are really good. Now, the last part of this, I don't understand. Um, we've got Rey Mysterio versus Seth Rollins in an eye for an eye match. And WWE has come out 
and has said that to win this match, you have to pull out your opponent's eye. <laughs> um, and we know wrestling is scripted. It's a male soap opera. The outcomes are predetermined. Um, how in the hell are you going to pull out somebody's eye and make it realistic and make it worthwhile and make it something that you know is worth seeing? It sounds gory. It sounds gross. It sounds unrealistic. And I think that um, that is one where I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm intrigued. I'm curious to see what it is. But I just got this feeling that it's going to be something corny and it's not going to be something that makes any sense or it's not going to be a clean finish. But Rey Mysterio and Seth Rollins in an eye-for-an-eye match, um, I'm hopeful, and again, if I'm booking this, which I'm not, I'm hopeful that Dominic turns on Rey Mysterio and joins Seth Rollins' his, his group, and that may be exactly what happens here. Um, but I don't know. An eye-for-an-eye match seems a bit extreme. Uh, but then again, the pay-per-view is Extreme Rules, so we'll see how that shakes out. We'll continue to follow that. We'll probably do an After Dark episode after the pay-per-view. Um, very excited. WWE is doing a better job um, now than what they've done in many months. There are more interesting storylines now than what they've had in many months. So kudos to Bruce Pritchard and some of the guys involved for getting that going. Let's talk about some PGA Tour, and then we'll proceed to our sports betting blitz, and it's really all kind of one in the same. Last week, we told you that we had three guys that we really liked uh, at the Rocket Mortgage Championships, or Rocket Mortgage Classic, rather, in Detroit, Michigan. I told you that our shark last week was Ricky Fowler. He finished tied for 12th. I told you our sleeper was Pat Perez. He made the cut, finished tied for 45th. And I told you that the winner would be Victor Hovland. He finished tied for 12th as well. So for the second straight week, we had all three of our picks make the cut, and for the second straight week, we've had a couple of our guys contend and do some pretty good things. So now we move to the Workday Charity Open in Dublin, Ohio, Murfield, Vir- uh, Murfield B- Village. Easy for me to say. Um, beautiful golf course, classic golf course, historic golf course, and I'm very excited about this. Loaded field, so many talented players are playing. Um so here are my picks I, this week for the Shark. I'm going Xander Shoffley. I think that Xander Shoffley has been playing well lately. Uh, he always finds his way in contention. He's one of the steadiest players in the world, one of the most consistent players in the world. If you go and look at Xander's you know, last couple of showings, he finished 20th at the Travelers Championship, third at the Charles swap challenge that since the reopening has happened on the tour so i think that xander's got an opportunity to play well and be in contention uh for our sleeper this week give me kevin streelman oh, by the way xander shoffley is 18 to 1 to win the event in vegas for our sleeper give me kevin streelman let me pull up the recent uh outings for kevin streelman kevin streelman is very steady very consistent he just gets the job done he's not you know an overly sexy pick week in and week out Last week, he finished second uh, at the Travelers Championship, or rather, not last week. In in late June, he finished second at the Travelers Championship. Uh, so he's been playing well lately. And and Kevin Struelman is a good bargain at 66-1 to um, to, to potentially be in strong contention. I think that he's a good sleeper pick. And for my champion, I'm going to go John Rahm breaking out. John Rahm has, has played well. He's been very consistent, and, and he's a guy that – I think is in line with Bryson DeChambeau, who I think is now the best player in the world. I think that John Rahm is a guy who 
we're going to see take those next leaps forward. Now, since the PGA Tour's reopening, he's not been very good. He missed a cut and has finished outside of the top 30 in both of the other events that he's played. But I think that John Rahm is going to break out this week, have a better showing, do a better job, and I think he's going to be your champion this week. Going out on a limb, I've been pretty hot. I'm going out on a limb. Give me John Rahm to be your champion this week. So now we move forward to our sports betting blitz. Thank you guys so much for the compliments. A lot of folks have told us that they really like the idea of doing more sports betting, and I'm all about that. So let's go ahead and do that. We are going to start with two over and under lines in the NFL. And then as protocol, we're going to do two over and under lines in college football. Baltimore Ravens is our first over and under line in the NFL. Vegas says over or under 11 and a half for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I am extremely torn and extremely conflicted on this one. The Ravens were 14 and two last season and they killed everybody. Um, they rolled through the regular season and, and were very dominant. But now they have to play a first place schedule. And now I just wonder if teams are going to have figured out Lamar Jackson a little bit more with an off season to get ready. Um, and their division's going to be better. The Bengals are going to be better. The Browns should be better. Can't be much worse. The Steelers are going to be better. So I think that you play a first-place schedule now, uh, unlike before, and your division is better to boot. I think 11.5 is a tough line, but I'm going to say over for Baltimore because I think they're going to go 12-4. and four. I think they're going to be a very strong team. I think they're going to be challenged more heavily this year than what they were last. But give me Baltimore 12 wins over 11 and a half. Uh, but I don't say that with very much confidence. The next pick that I'm going to make, I say with a lot of confidence. That's the Buffalo Bills over under nine. I think it's over, and I think it's pretty easily over. The Buffalo Bills have a really good roster, man. The, Baltimore, the Buffalo Bills won 10 games last year. They've got a very good roster. Their division is now easier with New England taking a step back. I think Buffalo, if I had to guess in terms of confidence, this is one of the picks that I'm most confident in in the entire NFL. I think that they are going to have a very strong season and, and be in contention to host playoff games, win division championships. So give me Buffalo over nine. I'm very confident about that. Josh Allen, I think, is going to make uh, you know leaps forward. Their defense is very good. They won 10 games last year and only averaged 19.6 points per game. So their defense is tremendous. If their offense could just be kind of sort of decent, they're going to be a, a very tough team to deal with. Give me Buffalo over nine. We move to the college ranks. We've got Auburn. Auburn over or under eight and a half. This one is difficult for me. This one is one that I, if I really, you know, wanted to, to you know, narrow it down, I could lose sleep over. Uh, Auburn was eight and four last year. Um, they had a young quarterback. Um, he sucked. <laughs> Let's be honest. He sucked. Um, Auburn has a brutal schedule non-conference games not so much they're gonna they're gonna win their four non-conference games they're going to beat Alcorn State they're going to beat North Carolina they're going to beat Southern Mississippi they're going to beat UMass so now the challenge is will they be four and four in the SEC or five and three in the SEC they play at Ole Miss uh, that's not going to be overly easy but you know that's one they should take care of 
They play against Kentucky at home. That's another one they should take care of. So we're now up to six wins for Auburn, if you're counting. Four non-conference. We got them beating Ole Miss. We got them beating Kentucky. We got them beating Arkansas. That's seven wins. But then the rest is really stinking hard, man. They've got to play at Georgia. They've got to play home against an improved Texas A&M team. At Mississippi State with the Cowbells. Against LSU. At Alabama. Um, I'm going to go under 8.5 for Auburn. Because I think they're going to go 8-4. and four. I think that they're going to lose to Georgia on the road. I think they're going to lose to either one of the two out of Texas A&M and Mississippi State. I think they're going to lose to LSU. And I think they're going to lose to Alabama. Um, their ending to their season is brutal. They end with LSU-Alabama back-to-back. So uh, I think that Auburn is going to be under. I think they're going to be 8-4. and four, And I think that they're going to lose... Their final two games. I think they're going to start out hot and lose their final two games and finish eight and four. So give me under for Auburn. The next one is easy for me, very easy for me. And people may scoff, people may say I'm a hater. I have always thought David Randa was the most overrated assistant coach in college football. I don't think he's going to succeed at Baylor. I don't think he has the charisma to be a head coach. I think that if you watch LSU's defense, there are a lot of people who could just play base all game long and do nothing creative and let their athletes make plays. That's basically what LSU's done for the last several years. If you look at the talent that LSU's had on their defense in the last several years, why in God's name was that defense ranked like 40th in the country last year? Why in God's name was Ole Miss running through that defense like they were cheddar cheese? I think the answer is Dave Rand is not all he's cut out to be. So now he's at Baylor as the head coach, replacing Matt Rule, over under seven and a half wins. And for me, this is the easiest one that we've had so far, either sport, college or pro, under. Baylor doesn't have elite talent. They were winning last year because Matt Rule is a phenomenal coach. Phenomenal coach. So now Dave Aranda's got to take over with a roster that is not overly talented. It's his first year as a head coach, and he's probably in over his head to begin with. They're going to get creamed, in my opinion. They open up with Ole Miss. I think that's going to be a game they'll struggle in. Uh... Non-conference, they play in Cardinal Word, Louisiana Tech, and that, those will be easy. So you, they get those two wins. At, uh, or excuse me, on, uh, at home against Kansas in the second week, they should get that one. Oklahoma, yeah, ain't winning that. Texas, yeah, ain't winning that. Both of those games on the road. At Iowa State, that's tough. At, at West Virginia, that's tough. Oklahoma State, that's tough. TCU, they've got a, a, you know, the, the same old Big 12 schedule, but they don't have the genius head coach anymore. Matt Rule's not there anymore. I don't think Baylor's going to get to that. 8-9, 10-win total that they got to last year. Give me under for Baylor. I think they're going to be closer to 6-6, six and six, if not 5-7. and seven. It is Baylor football at the end of the day. Those guys are not recruiting 4- and 5-star players. They're recruiting 2- and 3-star players. Matt Rule made that work. Dave Aranda will not make that work. Dave Aranda struggled to stop SEC offenses with 4- and 5-star players. How's he going to stop Big 12 offenses with 2- and 3-star players? It ain't happening, baby. Under. Baylor is going to be under, and I'm very confident about that. That'll wrap up this segment. We've gone very long, <laughs> almost 40 minutes of sports talk, but there are more sports going on, so we could kind of hand the show off to more sports talk now, which is where we want to be. Um, before we go to a break, thank you guys so much. Um, our last episode has almost a 1,000 downloads, and I know that a lot of you guys weren't particularly wanting to listen to me so much as you were wanting to listen to Jared Martin. But I've had also a lot of people comment saying, hey, while waiting on the Jared Martin interview, we listened to some of your stuff and you were pretty good and we're going to subscribe and we're going to follow you. 
find us on iTunes, please. The numbers are growing. Um, get a part of the movement, man. You guys are, 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 are doing awesome. We're going to continue to try to give you awesome content around that. And um, couldn't be more grateful, man. We're part of a wonderful team here. We're doing great things. And it, it is just such a blessing. Let's catch a quick commercial break. When we get back, Tristan Rogers will be on the line. If you are the parent to a young child who plays any sport, really, that has college aspirations, but specifically baseball, listen to what Tristan has to say. We talk about his career, but the stuff he says, he, we talk about uh, social media and what you should and shouldn't be saying or doing. We talk about the ways that you could get exposure, the ways that you could find yourself in, in the eye of a college coach, all by decisions that you're making while you're on and off the field. Tristan was great. We'll have him on in the next segment. This is the Casey's Corner Podcast here on LaFougeGazette.com. After Tristan, we'll have Corey Abair with the Blue Boot Rodeo, and then we'll wrap up with some COVID-19. So today I come to you guys with some fantastic news. At a time in news media where everyone is shrinking their coverage, Everyone is putting up paywalls so that you have to pay for your coverage. Everybody is printing fewer copies of their paper and finding good, reliable news is harder than ever. We at the Lafouche Gazette are going the opposite direction. Today, I'm proud to announce that instead of shrinking the number of papers that we print, we're expanding our coverage and we're expanding our coverage area. We're now going to have boxes in Northern Lafouche, in the Northern Raceland communities, in the St. Charles communities, and in the Thibodeau community. We're going to be doing the best that we can to reach every single household in Lafouche Parish and every single person who wants access to our newspaper in the physical copy and online will be able to get that. So thank you guys so much, very much from the bottom of my heart. And I know I speak on behalf of everyone on our team. Thank you so much for allowing this to happen and keep reading. We are Lafouche Strong 100% of the time. It's the Casey's Corner Podcast here on LaFoucheGazette.com. Joining us right now, we've got former baseball player and now current baseball coach, amongst other things, Tristan Rogers on the line. Tristan, how are you, man? I'm doing good, man. Happy to be here. Absolutely, man. Now, um, I guess we'll start in the, the way back machine and we'll talk through your playing career first. You a longtime baseball player, you know, played at, at Ellender and then went to Nichols and, you know, had to stop at junior college. And talk us through your, your playing career. How did you start playing the game? Uh, you know, I'm sure you picked it up at a really early age. Talk us through the early days, so to speak, of your career. Yeah, man, shoot, as long as I can remember, I've been playing baseball, probably two or three years old. Uh, started out, you know, watching my brother play at Ellender, um, 95. Um, it was a real good team when he played. Uh, and then, you know, after that, you figure <clears throat> you play all stars. Um, played all stars, played in the uh, recreation circuit, and then, you know, pick it up from from there. High school, college, you name it. Very good. And, and get to high school. Um, at what point did you kind of sense, hey man, I've got a future beyond high school? When did the you know, the college thing come into the picture and, and talk us through how that all went down for you. Uh, I got recruited probably about my junior year. Uh, got a few calls from schools like Nichols, uh, Southeastern, 
a few junior colleges. Um, so that's whenever I started saying, okay, I'm, I might be able to play the next level, which is something I've always wanted to do. Very good. And out of the gate, you go to, to Pearl River Community College, uh, had a good run there. You guys had some really good clubs. Um, talk about your early days at Pearl River and, and, you know, some of the experiences that you learned. But I know one thing that guys always tell me is, man, you know, the speed of the game's different, the competition's different. Talk us through, you know, what you learned in your early days at the college level. Yeah, well, it was a shock. I mean, you know, you get there uh, in junior college, you only allowed four out-of-state guys. Um, so, you know, when I get there, I didn't know anybody. Um, and just like you said, Casey, the speed of the game was something I wasn't really used to. Uh, but, you know, you get comfortable, you get used to it after a while, you practice with guys and you settle in and uh, ended up playing shortstop, uh, batted two hole, uh, got to know a lot of good guys, um, and then, you know, just took it from there. One thing that, that a, a college player once told me, and it, it made me, you know, kind of chuckle because it's it's so accurate, is that I asked him what was the difference between college and high school, and he said, and this makes so much sense. He says, every pitcher in college is a college-level pitcher. Talk about, you know, this the quality yeah. of arms that you're facing. Yeah, man, college, uh, you know, one thing I tell guys, and I, and I coach now and I tell all my players, uh, on the pitching side, uh, everybody throws hard in college. Uh, but, man, you got guys that can throw a slider for a strike. Uh, you got guys that can throw nasty cutters in on your hands. Uh, and that's things – as a college player, you got to really work on. And, you know, in high school, and not to downplay high school, but in high school, uh, you're getting belt high fastballs day in and day out, whereas in college, you don't get those pitches. Uh, you know, you got guys that are trying to, they literally work every day to try to get you out. And um, so you got to outwork them, you know, as a hitter uh, on hitting those different pitches in different locations. So you're at the, the two year school to start out. Um... Do you feel any, you know, pressure? Because, I mean, you've got to perform to, you know, maintain your spot so that you could go out and get that four-year scholarship offer, you know, after two seasons. Just talk about that dynamic and that most, or not most, but some players have that four-year opportunity right out of the gate. But with JUCO, our community college, you're two years and you better make something happen in those two years. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure for the junior college guys. And I still feel for guys that go that route this day. Uh, but it's a fun route because it's, it's more of a grind. You know, the junior college players and, and if you talk to a few of them you could tell it's kind of like a little a little fraternity because it's a lot of grinders you know a lot of guys that didn't really get those big time offers out of high school uh you know guys that might even have to walk on at the junior college level but it's a bunch of grinders and uh you know for me as a player it was fun because uh at Pearl River we was pretty good when I went you know we won uh our conference um down there Gulf Coast was a good school uh, Jones Junior College was a good school. We were steadily competing with those guys, but uh, the winning culture over there kind of helped me uh, find my spot at Nichols. And also, Coach Thibodeau, <clears throat> he has a history. He coached at Pearl River uh, before he went to Nichols. So we had a connection there. Um, but yeah, it was tough, man, but it was fun. Uh, I wouldn't change it for the world. You know, it was, uh, it was a grind, but I was happy to do it. Very good. And in terms of um, you know, landing at Nichols, you talked about Coach Thibodeau. Um, he was very early into building that program at that time. Um, talk about, you know, coaching for him in his earliest days of his tenure. And, and I know Coach Thibodeau has been a guest on this show before. He's talked about some of the challenges that he faced in terms of changing the culture and different things like that. Talk about being a part of that process. 
Yeah, that was probably one of the most fun experiences for me as a player was going in, you know, when Tib was doing all that. Uh, at that time, I went in 2010. He was recruiting guys like myself, uh, a lot of local guys, um, and a lot of other junior college guys to, uh, you know, change that culture. You know, before I got there in 2010, I want to say the two years before, they only won something like six or seven games a year. Uh, and, you know, he was his mindset was, you know, I'm going to bring in a lot of these tough baseball savvy kids. Uh, and when I say baseball savvy, he would always use the term baseball IQ. You know, he wanted those kind of guys to kind of change because we wasn't super talented. Don't get me wrong. We was we was good, but we was we was the kind of guy that taught the game. Sure. And, uh, and I think that's what kind of helped turn it around. And now, you know, he has a good good year. Uh, every year it seems like, you know, they they in a conference tournament. Whereas before, you know, uh, I don't even think they was close to getting in, you know, before he got here, you know, before he got to Nichols. So, I mean, what the what the program looks like, physically looks like today compared to then, I mean, the stadium looks different. There's so much rebuild and there's so much more construction that's coming. Um and, and Coach Thibodeau will tell anybody that's willing to listen that, hey, look, some of those earliest guys that were help, you know, helping us turn this thing around are, are part of the reason why we're able to do these things now. I'm sure looking back, it's got to feel good knowing that, hey, you were part of physically helping make a program better. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Um, it was fun. It was some tough days, don't get me wrong. Uh, he could tell you that, and any player that played for him could tell you that. Um, but definitely worth it looking back now. You know, when you go back to Nichols, Today, you go to Diddy Field and you're like, man, you know, you kind of wish that place looked like that when you were there, you know? <laughs> Very good. Um, and you do some some scouting and, and you're telling me some uh, some helping some guys get to college, college placement. Uh, talk to us about that. Um, and, and I guess more importantly, talk to us about the depth of talent in this area because there seems like there's a lot of guys who could really play at a high level in this area. Yeah, man, I can tell you, uh, I work with a company called My Time Sports. It's just a, basically it's just a college placement company. Uh, I'm an area scout for South Louisiana. It sounds fancy and what it really is, but basically what we do is we just try to get guys to the next level. Um, in this area alone, uh, we got about in the 2020 class, we have at least Casey, we got about 10 to 12 guys going to college just in our, uh, Terrebonne Lafourche area. So it's, uh, it's pretty fun to help, you know, see guys get to the next level because, you know, when I played, uh, and when we was coming up, you know, there's a, we really didn't have, you know, the opportunities that some guys have now. Uh, as far as these, you know, programs and getting guys recruited and getting them seen, and, and you know more than anybody now, social media is, you know, a big platform for these dudes, and we just try to help them get to the next level. So let's talk uh, about this. You, you touched on this, and, and it's a great point that you brought up, social media. And I talk to athletes all the time. I tell athletes – Yes, it is a blessing. There's no doubt about it. It's a blessing. But if you don't use it the right way, it could also hurt you. From the communication that you have with some of the, you know, the different coaches and everything like that, have you ever heard of an instance where a guy maybe wasn't offered because he was being a goon on social media and wasn't doing the right things? Oh, no doubt. Yeah, I'm uh, constantly, uh, you know, talking to college coaches, and they're like, uh, most college coaches, you know, they're in the character. Uh, so, you know. And, we'll, and they'll talk to me. We'll talk about a player, you know, at a specific school, and, and they'll tell me right off the bat, you know, because I try to promote these guys. You know, we have we have players that, from all high schools, South Lafouge, Central Lafouge, Terrebonne, South Terrebonne, and we'll have a coach, and, you know, I'll say, man, this kid is South Terrebonne. And they'll say, yeah, but i kind of seen his attitude or i seen stuff 
and uh, they'll be turned off right away for sure. Very good. And, and so let's talk a little bit about the coaching side of things. I know you're spending some time with, with the Hogs, you said, um, whereas a lot of other folks have been kind of shut down. The travel ball has been kind of picked up and they've been busy throughout the summer. Um, talk to us about how things have been going with the Hogs and some of the things you guys have been doing on the field. Yeah, first and foremost, man, I got to give a lot of credit to Coach Joe Tuton. Uh, you know, my mentor, um, he, he did a great job this summer finding us places to play, uh, getting us in tournaments, you know, when they weren't really kicking off like normal because, you know, with everything going on with the COVID-19, man, it's, 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 uh, it's a tough situation this summer, something we never dealt with. So, but he was able to get us into some tournaments, get us into some games. And uh, this summer, he actually created for the first time four teams, uh, one for each class, uh, which I think was, you know, awesome for, for the area to, to get guys to be able to play. Because uh, what he does is, you know, when we go play, we're not just going to play pickup games. You know, we're, we're going to play in front of college coaches uh, week in and week out. So, you know, it's something great that's going on right now. Okay, and in terms of, uh, I know there are certain protocols, and you guys got to keep the equipment clean and do different things like that. Is it hard? Because like I, I know from my you know instincts that I would want to, you know, just start coaching. But in the back of your mind, you've also got to have okay. Well, I got to do this. I got to do that. Is it hard to juggle the two roles, so to speak? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, we got a you know a lot of the guys in the dugout joke around. We've been bumping elbows all summer. Uh, you know, things like that. Uh, trying to keep these guys, you know, social distancing. Uh, you know, at first they started to try to keep nine guys in a dugout, which really that wasn't kind of working as easy as they wanted it. But uh, it, it's definitely a challenge. And uh, in all the places that we go play at, you know, they do, they do a really good job of keeping everybody uh, spaced out and umpires are cleaning balls in between innings. So it's pretty good. It is nice to see got people are actually, you know, trying to do that part, you know, in this pandemic there are talks and right now they're just talks and we don't know if anything's going to come of it but there are talks of perhaps flipping the high school seasons where the spring sports would go off in the fall Seen that. do you mm-hmm. think that the local high school teams would be ready for that and, and you know you think that's something we can maybe pull off uh you know that's that's not something i could answer uh i wish i had the answer to that uh I think whatever we have to do to get these athletes uh, safe and at the same time, you know, I feel for these guys that are going to be, you know, a lot of people talk about the seniors, you know, that just passed, but I'm looking at it now. I'm like, man, what about these seniors that are coming up? I, I mean, you're talking about, you know, missing some opportunities and missing some games on, you know, in your senior year. And uh, I could just about imagine as an athlete, but I think whatever they do decide to do, uh, we're going to make do. We're going to find a way to get it done. And I think everybody in our area, coaches-wise, has a positive mindset and a good outlook for the players uh, and parents as well. You know, parents kind of get caught up in the middle of this. You know, if you're a parent right now and, and you got a, you know, a kid that's coming up in the 2021 class, kind of has an effect on you. You know, a lot of these parents put in a lot of time and money, you know, for these sports. And, uh, you know, it's just sad to see what's going on and how they might, you know, be affected by it. But, I think at the end of the day, we're going to figure out a way to make it work. Um, everybody around there, whatever they tell us to do, we'll just do it, make the best of it. I know that um, in college baseball, some of the seniors of last season are being granted extra years of eligibility. And I know that 
because of that, rosters are kind of tight. Has it been harder than normal to find placement for some of these guys on, on college rosters? It is. Um, something different this year that we're not used to is uh, a lot of guys signing days are pushed back. You know, in baseball, most guys sign, you know, Division One players sign in the fall, which is normal, and then the guys with the smaller schools sign in the spring. But you see in this year, uh, I think we had our first signing um, uh probably about a month ago. Uh, you know, a couple guys from South Terrebonne signed. Caleb Polk and uh, Mike Learett, uh David Learett, I'm sorry, uh, signed. And we got a lot of other guys signed too. But it's tough because of the, the eligibility rule, they are granting those guys. So it's going to be tough for those guys to, to go in and, and find a roster spot or even a starting job. Yeah. So I, I hear coaches tell me all the time that the kids are different today than what they were 10, 15 years ago. So I'm going to ask you now, because you were a player 10 or 15 years ago, and you're now a coach today. Are the kids different? And if so, how do you kind of you know adjust to make sure that you're reaching out to them the best that you can? Yeah, uh, they're, well, they're definitely different. Um, but in a good way, too, because I, I'll be honest with you, I, I think what a lot of people misinterpret, and, and of course we're always going to say that we was tougher when we played, right, the older guys. <laughs> um but in my opinion, these guys are a lot smarter, man. I mean, these dudes, uh, you know, the guys that I'm around, I mean, I tell them all the time, I think you guys are smarter than me. Uh, but, uh, no, they are different. Um, they're more diverse. Uh, like I said, smarter, smarter is the biggest thing. I mean, I give a lot of credit to, you know, you talk about these travel ball programs. Uh, we have a lot of travel ball programs in our area right now that I think do a really good job of getting these guys prepared because, Guys now are more prepared. You know, there's some things that I learned in college that, you know, I wish I would have learned, you know, in high school. I think it would have made me a better player that uh, some of these guys, you know, we have college, former college players coaching all over this area, um, helping guys get better every day. And they come into our organization, you know, knowing the game pretty well. And there's some things that we teach them to get them ready for college because, you know, that's kind of what we do. Uh, with the Hogs, we get everything to get our guys ready to play in college. Um, but I find they are more prepared now, um, you know, than when we played. Let's talk a little bit about Major League Baseball for a second, because on this show, I have gone crazy about the negotiations and all the, dif- the difficulties that they had to figure out how to reopen this thing. And now you're seeing, you know, certain athletes who are saying that they don't feel safe and they don't want to play, whatever it may be. And it's kind of made me nervous. Like, how's this going to look? Do you have any thoughts or any expectations on what the upcoming MLB season is going to look like? I know it's already going to be shorter, 60 games, DH yeah. in both leagues. What are your thoughts? Is there about ready to reopen? And I, got a, I got a couple guys, you know, that are still playing the game to this day uh, and I stay in contact with because I'm always constantly picking their brain and asking them, you know, baseball questions. And they kind of tell me right now they don't know what's going to happen. It seems like they're going to take a step back. Now, yeah. I don't know that for sure, but – you know, right now, man, it, this thing's kind of recycling. And uh, and I don't think nobody knows what's going to happen or what's the right or wrong thing to do. But, uh, you know, I'm definitely curious to see. And we all want, you know, everything to come back to normal, right? Everybody wants it to get back to normal. But, uh, man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how's, uh, I don't know what's going to happen next. And I just hope we're able to see some baseball on TV. Whether or not they're going to have fans and stuff like that, we don't know. But, uh you know, it's just a crazy time right now. So so let's talk about that. Um, 
if you were in the position of being a player and you were at bat and you could hear everything that was going on around you because there were no fans, how would that affect you? And then more importantly, if you hit one and it you know, came off the bat real good and it was split in the gap and there was just no crowd reaction at all, how would that affect you? Do you think it would be difficult for those guys to kind of get up to play without the adrenaline of the fans there? I think at the beginning uh, it will be for them. For me as a player, uh, you know, I, I would play, uh, and I don't think it would affect me. Because baseball is a baseball is a really, really focused uh, sport. So you know, when you're bat, you're not thinking about who's in the stands, or uh, all you're thinking about is that at bat and what your approach is at the plate. So I don't think it's going to affect them, and it definitely wouldn't affect me as a player. But I could see where in between innings and stuff like that, they might be not as motivated, but. In my opinion, I think after a while, I think those guys will get used to it. Because you've seen it right now with the Korean Baseball League. You know, they're doing it, and they have some success with it. Um, so I think it'll look very similar to that. Uh, two more questions for you, brother. One question that we hear all the time is baseball struggles to reach, you know, uh, younger people. And, that, you know, they're losing fans and they're losing audience. And what are some things you think the sport could do to kind of begin to grow and kind of change that momentum? Oh, I think they try to do things right now, uh, trying to speed up the game in between innings, uh, limit pitches, um, limit mound visits. Uh, so I think they're doing a good a good effort right now in the game. Uh, as far as anything new, uh, you know, we just need uh, we just need that big star. We need Mike Trout to play well. We need Bryce Harper to to keep playing hard and set a good example. Um, but uh, I think baseball can make a comeback. We missed a really good opportunity getting that deal done. Baseball at the MLB, they, they should have got that deal done way before they did. Uh, but, you know, I think uh, I think with the right players and, you know, like I said, the big names like I mentioned, uh, I think they'll be just fine. But, you know, baseball is a smart man's uh Smart man sport. You know, most people don't don't enjoy it, but uh, if you know what you're watching and know what to look for, it could be very, very uh, entertaining. I agree with you, man. Now, last question we got. We have a lot of folks who listen who are of the high school age or who have parents of high school age children. So if you're a 10th grader, 11th grader, and you have aspirations to play at the next level, you're rubbing elbows with those coaches. You know what they're looking for. What are some of the things that those young men should do to punch their ticket to the next level? Oh, hustle. Hustle, man. I mean, I, we, we, we played, um, where were we? We was in Sulphur a couple weeks ago and they had three college coaches that, uh, that I'm in contact with that was in the stands and they had told me about a guy who we was playing against and they was like, we come and watch, you know, this guy. And, uh, sure enough, the kid comes up in the first inning, hits the ball all the way to the wall and instead of hustling out the box again, it was a for sure double. Uh, now, we did a good job of throwing the ball in, uh, but uh, he just kind of cadillac in the first, and I seen uh, two out of the three college coaches walk down, and, and I knew exactly why they was walking down because uh, he definitely didn't run hard. Uh, so if there's one thing that I could tell you, make sure you're playing hard. You know, you never know who's out there watching. Uh, that's the main thing in character. You know, anybody can go out there and be talented. At the college level, everybody's talented when you get to college. Uh same thing at the pro level you know everybody's talented uh but it's the hustle and the character thing the little things uh that these college coaches are looking for in my opinion 
Hey, man. Well, look, man, thanks so much for the time. You gave us a lot of good stuff, and we'll do this again soon, okay, brother? Yeah, appreciate it, man. Yes, sir. We thank Tristan Rogers so much for his time. Great interview. Um, gave a lot of good stuff. If you're a parent of a high school age kid, how could you not listen to some of those things he was saying and take them to heart? Let's catch another commercial break when we get back. Corey Bear with the Blue Boot Rodeo. That is going to be taking place this weekend on the island. It's the Casey's Corner Podcast on LaFoucheGazette.com. Hey, it's me again. And usually commercials are a time where you're selling a product or promoting something that you're doing within your workspace. Forget about that. That's not what this commercial's for. This commercial is from me to you, our wonderful readers at the Lafouche Gazette and our wonderful listeners to this podcast. I want to send my sincerest thanks to every single one of you who has reached out during the pandemic, who has called or texted to see how we were doing, to give us kudos on our work, to give us thanks and you know all the different things that we've been doing. It means so much. So from the bottom of my heart, I tell you guys also, just like you're always thanking us, we thank you for reading our product, for consuming our podcast, and for giving us the ability to go into your living rooms with our news. We try our best every single day. We have a wonderful staff and a wonderful team, and it's our absolute pleasure to serve the people of Lafouche Parish. God bless you all, and keep listening and keep reading LafoucheGazette.com. It's the Casey's Corner Podcast here on LaFoucheGazette.com. Joining us now on the phone lines, we have Corey Bear with the Blue Boot Rodeo. Corey, how are you, man? Good. How's it going? Pretty good, brother. I know it's a busy time for you guys. You guys are now officially in Rodeo Week, putting some last-minute preparations to get everything ready. Uh, talk to us about how things are going, man. Things are going good. Crazy, but good. And, uh, and we, we're ready for our second annual rodeo this year. We have a lot to be excited about, and... Um, uh, a lot of a lot of challenges we've had to face so far, but we uh, we seem to be ready. I'm gonna actually right out of the gate. I know some things are going to look a little bit different in terms of COVID-19 and some of the different precautions that you guys are gonna have to take. So for anybody who's listening is wondering, man, is this safe? Can I go out to this? Uh, what are some of the things you guys are doing to make sure everybody stays safe? So we we have been given the thumbs up to host the rodeo by the um, state fire marshal. Um, what we're going to do this year is last year one of our big things was our kids zone uh we had jumpers and and games for the kids with covid19 in place we didn't feel like we could properly clean it in between uses for the kids so for this year only we won't have a kids zone um we will have some some fun things in between we'll try and do for the kids um we're gonna have some professional crew coming in and being there all all weekend long and uh, and what they'll be doing is cleaning. They'll be cleaning high traffic areas, tables. They'll be wiping down chairs, sanitation stations. Make sure everything <clears throat> uh, nice and clean, as clean as we could we could have it. Um, thanks to uh, Joe Septic Contractors, one of our, in fact, our event sponsor this year, Chad and Trixie Boudreau. Uh, they're donating uh, eleven hand sanitizing stations that'll be out uh, placed throughout the pavilion. Uh, you know, for people to use the whole time. So we'll have that. 
Um, another thing is all volunteers. <clears throat> all our volunteers will have their temperatures checked. They'll go through a protocol of uh, COVID questions, making sure that um, they haven't been around anyone that's been exposed to COVID. And all our volunteers that will be uh, dealing with the public, dealing with the, the patrons, will be wearing a mask. The, the, the public is not required to wear masks. They're more than welcome. We'll have someone hand if they like it, but it's not going to be a mandate by anybody coming to our event. And then lastly, we're going to, we're going to just try and throughout the day, just promote and enforce social distancing the best we can in, in, in the circumstances we have. Very good. And in terms of entertainment, I know you guys are going to have some music playing and everybody's going to be enjoying and passing a good time. Let's talk about uh, some of the, the acts that you guys got scheduled. So uh, Friday night, we're doing something different this year. We added a Friday night and, uh, with the help of uh, Harris and Ronnie Colley. Uh, we're going to have a local cor- cornhole tournament. Nice. And, um, and that we're going to have registration starting at 5 o'clock for that, and we're going to kick it off around 6. Um, our scales close at 6 on Friday. So when the scales close, the cornhole tournament will start not long after that. We have uh, DJ Frozen that will play till 10 o'clock uh, Friday night. Um, people that have registered to fish. We did something a little different this year. All our registration, all our packets and tickets that were bought are going to be available to be picked up at the way station on Friday and Saturday. Uh, we, we didn't mail out anything beforehand or, or deliver anything. So uh, we'll have that for everybody. And then Saturday, we're going to kick off with our rodeo day. We'll have the scales from, from noon to four. DJ Frozen is going to be back again playing from noon to three. Um, we're going to have good food all day long, jambalaya, plate lunches, and your normal uh, festival food. Uh, <clears throat> our good buddy Rough and Red is going to play from 3 to 6 Saturday afternoon. And then after Rough and plays, we're going to have a little break. We're going to do a live auction and our awards. We have some outstanding items for the live auction. Uh, posted a little sneak peek of a signed Joe Burrow LSU helmet that will be available. Um, so that's getting some excitement. And then we're going to close out the night with uh, with Junior Lacrosse and his band from eight to eleven. One thing I got to commend you guys on is you guys are now two years in, continue to grow, but you've not had an easy time. Last year you had to postpone a month because of a tropical storm. This year you guys have had to deal with COVID. You haven't had a normal one yet, but but everything has been going smooth so far, even through all the adversity. I tell you what, our, our rodeo committee, uh, Darby and Nicole themselves, and just the volunteers we've had has kind of made it possible. We're we're almost at the same number of sponsorship packages as we were last year. We're close to it, and we had a you know roughly two and a half months off with no advertising and, and not not knowing if we'd have a rodeo. And we had the discussion a couple of days ago. You know, like you said, a hurricane last year. A pandemic this year if nothing happens next year we don't know how we're going to act <laughs> and in, in terms of um you know for folks who are listening who may be you know not familiar with what this is i know that this is a special cause to, to you guys a special cause to myself talk us about the inspiration about this rodeo and why this rodeo is taking place this rodeo is taking place because um, of the tragic drowning of Raleigh John Bourgeois and uh, Darby Nicole Bourgeois' uh, son, who was a couple of days shy of his second birthday, and, um, and two years ago. And you know, <clears throat> shortly after his death, uh, Darby Nicole said, "Look, we're going to do everything." And Darby says it every day. He said, "If we do something to save a life," 
And I think we've gone above and beyond that, and, and it's now a mission. And it's become a mission of the community, and, and we can't thank the community enough for the support um, that we've gotten and ideas. We get a lot of our ideas from Facebook, social media, a phone call. So we try and implement as much as we can from what we hear, you know, or, or stuff we see. Very good. And in terms of fishing, uh, what types of categories do you guys have? And, and, and if someone wants to fish as the deadline passes, can they still sign up? Uh, rodeo tickets will be available at uh, at the rodeo Friday or Saturday. Uh, we have a, uh, a kids division that has anything from uh, speckled trout, redfish, uh, under and over 27, hornhead catfish, white trout, croaker, and sheephead. We have uh, a kayak division that we're trying to grow. We didn't have that many teams uh, last year. We'll see about this year. And um, we have an adult division. You're, you're inshore, and then we also have some offshore categories that uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see on the board this year. I didn't um, know what I was walking into last year whenever we covered the event on radio, and then when we showed up, it was this huge event. Man, you guys had so many people turn out. From what you're hearing, do you think that you guys are going to have a similar response this year? I think so, and I hope so. Um, uh, just from talking to people that have been on the island the last couple of weeks, and and there have been big crowds, and uh, we've had a great response just on our social media platforms and, and uh, talking to people in the community. I, I think we will, and, and I hope so. It's for a great cause, and all the money goes to a great cause. And um, one thing I wanted to mention, too, we'll have uh, all our Blue Boot merchandise available for sales uh, Friday and Saturday. We have some new shirts and hats this year. And um, and one thing, uh, one other thing is we, we were approached by the U.S. Coast Guard out of Grand Isle. Um, and they heard about our cause and they saw all the uh, life ring buoys that we put out on the beach and the life jacket stands. And uh, they're actually sending eight Coast Guard uh, uh, guys from grand out to volunteer the rodeo awesome. and they'll have a little uh, little table set up with some information about the dangers of the rock jetties and the rip currents and stuff like that and you'll see coast guard guys flipping hamburgers and serving soft drinks and uh they, they kind of jumped on to our calls that's awesome man and um i know that you said proceeds go to a good cause tell, tell us about that i know you guys do scholarships but also you guys have you know, an end goal to try to get some, some drowning education into the, the schools and everything like that. Talk to us about where this money is going to be going specifically. So we give uh, local scholarships every year. We just did our second year, uh, Salafouche High School um, and Central Lafouche High School. And um, obviously this year we, we put out 35 and we have five left to go um, uh, polls at every rock jetty uh, with signs and a life ring buoy. For, for safety reasons, if need be. Uh, we also at the state park have two setups of live jacket stands where we have a dozen live jackets out there, various sizes. Somebody's going to the beach, want to have a good day, they didn't bring their live jacket, take one, use it, bring it back when you're done. Uh, we're getting good reports about that and, and they're being used. Uh, we, we can see it. Uh, another thing is we were going to try and get into the schools this year and we have some nice... Uh, uh, educational cards that we were going to give to each student uh, in Lafouche Parish. We had got got the okay to do that, and then obviously with the pandemic, that was shut down. So we'll be we'll be distributing that stuff out at the rodeo this year um, to just try and push as much uh, drowning awareness and drowning prevention as we can. The day that the little boy passed away, I remember vividly having this conversation with my parents and. and 
the the thought was, yeah, this is terrible. This is something we're never going to forget. But the family's so strong, they'll find a way to turn something positive into it. I didn't expect it to happen so fast. But man, do you ever kind of look back and think, my God, the strength of my friends and the strength of, you know, this small little army that we have to turn this such a terrible thing into something that is helping other people. That's got to give you guys the free songs. Got to make you guys feel good. Yeah, you can say that again. Uh, Darman and I grew up together, and <clears throat> we work together every day. So I, I get to see that uh, every day. And, then, and and he and his wife, Strength, and their whole family. And uh, just to take, like you said, just a horrible situation and turn it to a positive. And, and you know, Darby, so like I said, he says it all the time. His goal is to save a life, and and I think we've we we're in the right direction to do that. I honestly, think we probably have saved more than one life just by knowing and just by learning. I mean, I, I personally didn't know that the number one cause of death in one to four year olds is drowning. I, I didn't know that till after this happened, you know. And pushing that education out there is is what we need to do and and will continue to do. Last question for you, brother. If somebody's listening and they're saying, "Man," I I can't make it to the island this weekend, but I want to help these guys out. Is there any type of way that you know people could donate without physically, you know, attending the event? Yes, they can get a hold of us on Facebook, um, on our Facebook page, Blue Book Rodeo Facebook page, or online. We have shut down our ticket sales, our fishing ticket sales, just because we we didn't have time to to mail out before the event. Uh, we are selling half and half tickets. They could get a hold of us uh, on that. That the winner does not need to be present. You could send more money in for half and half tickets. We could fill your name out, and um, uh, any other support like that, any kind of uh, monetary donation they want to make, they could still send that in, and uh, we could, they could gather all the information by sending us a message on Facebook. That would be the fastest way. Well, brother, thanks so much for the time, and we wish you guys the best of luck and good weather and all that good stuff for a smooth weekend. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. That was Corey Bear with the Blue Boot Rodeo. Um, I want to say publicly, and I know that, that Darby and, and, and Corey and, and Nicole and the whole family, the bourgeois family, and everybody involved with Blue Boot knows that I feel this way. I am so proud of those guys for the work that they've done um, to turn a tragic situation, a situation that we're never going to forget, and a situation that we're going to always remember because of how sad it was, how just such a terrible thing. This is something that could have broken that family. This is something that could have turned that family onto very bad things. But instead, their first instinct was instead to uh, make sure that this didn't happen to anyone else or as few people as possible. And that strength and that faith in God and that ability to overcome adversity is so it, it's 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 admirational and it is so powerful and you know especially given the times in the world where there's so much going on and there's so many people who are at odds with so many other people i think if we would just as a society follow the recipe that the bourgeois have set here which is just love everyone <laughs> you know just just care about your neighbors care about your family care about you know the people that are around you do right onto them. I think if we all follow that same basic formula and that same basic recipe, the the world would be such a better place. So I, I'm so proud of this event. I'm so proud of them for allowing this event to happen, and uh, kudos to them for for you know allowing uh, you know the, this rodeo to become a part of their lives because I know it's tough every summer to 
have to, you know, be asked about those types of questions that we've been asking. I know it's tough, um, but they're so strong and they're such good people. Let's catch a commercial break. When we get back, we're going to talk about COVID-19. Uh, Governor Edwards has had a news conference today. I'm going to kind of rant and get angry with some of my Facebook followers. Um, it's the Casey's Corner Podcast on LaFoucheGazette.com. We'll be right back after this break. Did you know that on LaFoucheGazette.com, we generate 1 million page views per month? Yes, that's not a typo. That's not me reading it wrong. That's not me selling you a bill of goods. We generate 1 million page views per month. That's 1 million times someone is on our website clicking their mouse and saying, hey, I want to read that. Did you know that our website, LaFoucheGazette.com, generates more than 200,000 individual users per month? There's 97,000 people in Lafouche Parish. We generate 200,000 viewers per month. We reach just about every single household in Lafouche Parish and even beyond. Contact us today for advertising and sales rates. If you want to get your business seen in a tough economic time, I promise you, if you invest in LafoucheGazette.com, your ad is going to be seen and it's going to be seen by every single person in Lafouche Parish. Contact us today and get involved. 985-693-7229. Help us help you. We're all in this together. We're all LaFouche strong. We want to thank our two call-in guests today, which are Tristan Rogers and uh, Corey Abair. Both did a wonderful job. We're blessed to have just amazing calling guests. The, the, the folks that we've been able to line up, um, it's so humbling. You guys actually could hear the wind whipping here. It's, it's become a breezy afternoon in southeast Louisiana on what has been an overly hot day. Um, unfortunately, COVID-19 is also heating up in the state of Louisiana. Uh, the state now reports 70,151 COVID-19 cases. Um, 3,231 people have died of COVID-19 in the state. Um, actually, I'm recording this, or I started recording this just as Governor John Bell Edwards had gotten off the podium from his press conference. Uh, he talked about some different things, and we'll touch upon those things here throughout the segment. Um, Louisiana's biggest problem right now is is not the increase in cases so much as the increase in hospitalizations we at one time had 2100 i think the actual number was like 2157 or something like that patients hospitalized with covid19 ailments then as things dropped and dropped and dropped we had gotten down into like 548 or something like that in early june but uh things have reversed course man and that now our hospitalizations are going up and we have 1,022 patients who are hospitalized with COVID-19 ailments. Um, 105 of those patients are on ventilators. I don't talk about ventilators as much in my reporting because it's no longer an issue. Um, we, when we had 570 whatever people on ventilators, uh, we were at a legitimate risk to run out of them um, because that was at the time before the federal government was making them by the drove. Um, but now we've got reinforcements. We don't have as many people on them to begin with as during the peak. 
uh, we're fine. We're not going to run out of ventilators unless the situation gets 10 times worse. And, you know, we're fine there. Um, but 10,000 or excuse me, 1,022 patients hospitalized with COVID-19 ailments is troubling. And it's a number that has doubled here in the last couple of weeks. That's troubling. Um, so let's kind of dive in here and tell you where things are standing. Um, some of the data, um, and, and I'm trying to think of a way to say this without making people angry with me. Um, I hear all the time, and it's appalling to me, I hear people all the time, and they have every single excuse in the world to not have to change the way that they live. Well, they'll share and copy-paste a Facebook status about how their friend went for a COVID test, they were out of COVID test at the doctor's office, but then later got a call saying that they were positive. And, or they'll share the classic one of, oh, bruh, if you got a test every day before you could return to work, or you counted every single day that you test positive. No, I, I'm tired of answering that question. No, if you test positive one time, and then have to get retested before you could return to work. If that retest continues to be positive, you are not, A-R-E-N-O-T, all capital letters, bold underline, you are not counted every single day in the data. Why is this so hard for you to understand? Why can you just not accept that this is a problem? Is it that hard for you to you know, continue forward. Why can't you just make adjustments, basic adjustments to your regular vanilla life? Why is it that you guys are so content to change nothing about the recipe? I've used this same example many times before. If you make gumbo one day and the ingredients are rotten, then the next day that you make gumbo, you're going to make sure that your ingredients are fresh because you're going to have learned a, a, an example of what not to do. Why is it that after seeing loud and proud in March what not to do, why is it that it is so hard for some of you to accept that this is a real thing, that it is so hard for some of you to change the way that you live? My God, you do not have to go to the bar room every single weekend and make out with every single last person there. My God, that beer is still going to be there Six months from now, when this is over, you don't have to get drunk every single day of your life. Be a responsible adult. Be a compassionate neighbor. Be a good human being. Now, I'm not saying that folks who are going out and, and having events and everything like that are bad people. That's not what I'm saying. But there are people who are doing things unnecessarily and they are causing 90% of the grief but yet are doing 90% of the bitching on social media about, oh man, why can't we do this? It's because you're acting like a moron. That's why we can't do this. I'm tired of sugarcoating it. I'm tired of babying the situation. We're having problems because people are morons and because people are selfish morons who are incapable or incapable of thinking about anybody other than themselves. Wear a damn mask, man. Doctors are telling us constantly, wear a mask, it helps. I have a, a, you know an example. Go in the shower, wear a mask, and cough into the, the door of your shower. Nothing's going to happen. Okay, now take your mask off and start coughing. That door, that glass door is going to be all fogged up. Well, guess what? The same thing happens in public, man. Just protect yourself, protect the person around you, and this would all be so much better. 
But instead, it's, it's so easy to believe the robots on Facebook, people who aren't even real people. They're, they're spreading propaganda and, and you guys are copying and pasting it and sharing it and asking me about it and saying that this is real based on something that, that is said by someone you don't even know. Like, be smarter than that. You have to be smarter than that. Why are we falling for this? Why is this happening? I mean, I, I don't understand the, the, the disconnect there. This is a real thing, man. People are continuing to die. Ask the people in the Lafayette area where cases are surging and they're running out of ICU beds. Do you think that they're just filling ICU beds with people who aren't sick just to try to get money like you guys are insinuating on Facebook? Are you kidding me? And then there are even the people who are saying that the tests are, are, are loaded with COVID-19 and they're jamming it so far into your nose so that they could infect people with COVID-19. Guys, guys, do me one favor. And I'm going to get to the rest of the numbers. I've, I've gotten off on a tangent here. Do me one favor. Stop watching CSI New Orleans and CSI Miami and, and every single conspiracy theory show. Stop watching those for just a couple of days, man. Because you know what those things are? like The things you see on television. The shows where there's always this plot twist and where there's always some conspiracy and where there's always something crazy happening and something being manipulated. That's fiction. That is being presented to you on television because it's entertaining, but it is fiction. Those things don't happen, at least not to this extent, in real life. If they tell us there are 70,151 COVID cases then that's how many COVID cases there actually are. If they're telling us that 1,800 people have tested positive for COVID in the last day, then that's how many people have actually tested positive. Governor Edwards and the rest of his team are not trying to close businesses down. You're a moron if you think otherwise because you know what government relies upon for funding? Taxes. You know how they collect taxes by us being open and being able to spend money. This idea that they want us to be closed down and they want us to be locked up and shackled into our houses is hogwash. And I'm tired of sugarcoating it. If you believe those things, you are a moron. I don't know any other way to say it at this point. Just look at the facts objectively. Just look at the thing. Look at the way the world works objectively. You know, quit trying to to play the. The donkey versus the elephant. That game does not apply here. This virus is not a Democrat. This virus is not a Republican. Look at things objectively. The people who are making these decisions don't want us to close down. They don't want us to have to be bankrupting ourselves. That's not what they want. But they're doing this because we are not able to protect ourselves when we're wide open. And the reason why we can't protect ourselves is that people perceive wide open as I could do whatever the hell I want. Doing whatever the hell you want has gotten us into this position to start with. And it's what's getting us back into this position again. Is because people are not heeding warnings. Doctors go to school for decades so that they could tell us how to handle these situations. It is so arrogant of regular old Karen on social media to tell us, I know more than what you do because I googled um, this stupid YouTube video about how wearing a mask is dangerous. It's absurd. The fact that we're having these issues four months into this and that people have still not learned their lesson and are still unwilling to cooperate and their first instinct is to play the conspiracy card as opposed to the yes we'll cooperate we'll love our neighbor card is appalling and it makes me upset it should make you upset as well 
Hospitalizations in the state, as we said, 1,022. Um, the regions in the state that are having some of the biggest problems are um, South Central, uh, having, or excuse me, not South Central, uh, Southwest, my apologies, we are South Central. Southwest having a big issue. At the peak of the pandemic in April, Southwest had 45 people hospitalized. At their peak, right now, they have 102, double their numbers are double from where they were at the worst point in the pandemic. Acadiana, at the peak in early April, they had 125 patients hospitalized. They now have 198. That's a big rise, man. That's scary. Baton Rouge, um, they're on the incline. They've seen more and more patients in recent days. Uh, Central Louisiana, they're seeing numbers that they've not seen before at any other time in this pandemic. Now, fortunately, we are so blessed here in our area that it looks like we're not going to see the numbers of our peak at any time in the near future. We had 132 patients hospitalized on April 11th. That number is currently 27. Now, that's higher than what it's been in recent days, but we've stayed pretty steady. It'll go up a little bit. It'll go down a little bit. It stayed pretty steady. And our, our ventilator use is only two. So we're doing a great job in our region. But just because things are okay here doesn't mean that things are okay everywhere else in the state because I promised you, I got friends in the medical facilities in, in Acadiana. They're having some struggles, man. They're really fighting right now to stay ahead of patient demand. Now, one thing we're seeing is that the, the age of the COVID patients is, is younger. It's younger. It's the, we've been told this now for many weeks. It's the people who are 39 and younger are the guys who are carrying this, guys and gals who are carrying this the most frequently. Um, and it makes sense. Those are the people who are at work. But again, those are the people also who are of the age that will be going more to bar rooms and to big gatherings and different things like that. So I know I got angry earlier in the segment. And I know I was, I, was, I was barking and calling people morons and this, that, and the other. It, I, I do love all you guys. I hope you realize that. But... Like, just be more wary of the situation and be more understanding and accepting that this is a different time in the world. This is not 2017. This is not 2019. This is not January of 2020. You can't do the things like you used to do because the world isn't what it used to be. So we just have to all collectively buy into some of these new normals, wear our mask, limit our exposure to lots of people, and everything will be okay. It can be done, y'all. It is being done other places in the world. And what's not happening in other places in the world that is happening here? Lug nuts going to bar rooms, getting wasted in large gatherings. Other economies in the, around the world have been a little bit more relaxed in terms of their reopening efforts they're not you know as wide open as we've been they've been a little bit more relaxed and that's why they're having quite frankly more success than what we are so just to be a little bit more considerate man that's all you got to do be a little bit more considerate and we'll have so much of a better result um go through the numbers here in our region uh let me pull up the data i lost it in our region as we said 27 patients hospitalized two in ventilators um we're not out of bedding uh, 41 ICU beds and use 50 are available in Region 3, so we're still doing good. Um, 398 beds are in use, 343 are available, we're still doing good. Only six patients in Region 3 are on ventilators altogether, that's COVID or not. 
Um, there are tons available, 113 available, so we're still doing good there. Um, by and large, everything is, is, is going um, okay, I guess. One thing the governor said today, and I've been asked about this a lot, um, and this is actually one of the good questions you guys have asked, is that uh, what's the age of the patients that are being hospitalized? They are younger, Governor Edwards said, and that's one of the reasons why we are not seeing death rates go up is because the the percent of the populace that is or the the average age of the populace that is being hospitalized is younger those people typically have better results that's why we're seeing hospitalizations skyrocket but we're not seeing ventilator use skyrocket because the governor said more of these patients are recovering quicker they're being hospitalized for a day or two and they're being released and um by and large we're seeing better outcomes because of that so, you know, keep doing just what you're doing and just do a little bit extra, man. That's all it takes. And that's why this is so frustrating. Just do a little bit extra. No one is asking anyone to lock themselves in a cage. Like you guys think that the smallest little restriction is the government coming to your house, breaking the door down and taking your guns away. Like it's not that dramatic. Just do a little bit more and we'd have so much of a better result. But before we sign off, actually have breaking news this literally just happened of course you could read about it at lafougegazette.com we were the first to report locally not a big surprise because we don't you know uh, like to finish second i guess um the lhsaa has come out remember at the beginning of our show we talked about cleo fields and his letter and all the different things the lhsa has released a statement today they have come out and said that they are 100 percent in support of high school athletics taking place in the upcoming school year executive director eddie bonine issued a statement that reads and i quote now more than ever we are reminded that our communities need high school sports interscholastic competition supports the physical emotional and mental well-being of student athletes across louisiana the LHSCA is fully committed to the safe return of high school athletics this fall. We encourage member schools to follow LHSAA Sports Medicine Advisory Committee guidelines to ensure the safety of our student athletes, coaches, and, and, and administrators. Reopening high school sports depends on all of us working together. Everything I talked about in the first segment of the show, mental well-being, mental health, is the approach they're taking and is rightfully the approach they're taking because it's the right approach to take. So kudos to Eddie Bonine. We can't lose kids to other things besides for the virus. And if you take away everything that they have, that's exactly what is going to happen. So kudos to the LHSA. I fully support that, uh, that statement and that memo. And I fully support those guys getting that thing rolling. So I'm going to sign off here. It's been a long show. I want to thank Corey Bear. I want to thank Tristan Rogers. Thanks to everybody for listening. If you're having, you know, weekend plans, going to Blue Boot or whatever, be safe. Be conscious of those around you. Keep proper distance. If you're choosing between an outside gathering or an inside gathering, always choose the outside gathering right now. A, because of the temperature. B, because of the space and the, the ventilation. It's so much more difficult to spread this thing outside compared to inside. And uh, let's all work together, man. Like, I, I know I get upset and I get heated and you know, I start hollering and shouting at you guys. Um, but that's just because I want this thing to be fully reopened for you guys. I, I, I'm a homebody by trade. Like I play video games and, and stay at home even when things are normal, but I hurt because you guys are hurting because you guys can't do the things that you're used to doing and that you guys love to do. So if we all just work together, we could get this thing out the door. We had proven it once before our numbers had dropped once before we're going to prove it again. So we're going to sign off right here. Uh, may or may not do a show over the weekend. 
But uh, keep it on the Casey's Corner Podcast. Keep it on thefujigazette.com. Find us on iTunes. Subscribe. All that good stuff. Sayonara, everybody. You guys have a wonderful rest of the day and a wonderful rest of the week. God bless. Thank <laughs> you.